Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Whiskey Talk with Mario. I have my whiskey poured. Do you? Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Whiskey Talk with Mario. Today we're sipping on Jim Beam with honey. It's my first time trying it out. It's okay. It's not. Uh, <laughs> it's not Honey Jack, but it'll do. It's not bad. It's very light. And what's in my cup, bro? If I might ask. You you got the same thing. You got Jim oh, Bean yeah, with honey and uh, and Diet Coke. Anyways, guys, as you can see, I have a guest today, and uh, very special guest. He was here before, and you guys uh, demanded another episode with him. I had, dude, believe it or not, I had a few people reach out to me. And tell me they wanted to have you back. Nice. I swear. I appreciate <laughs> so, that. I appreciate yeah, that. I had I had a friend of mine who I've known for a while. I don't have him on social media, but we keep in touch via text. And he texts me out of nowhere, out of the blue, and said, "Hey, man, that was a really great podcast. Bring him back." And I had wow. another one reach out to me and say, "Hey, um, uh, can you guys, you and your friend, can you guys talk about Andrew Tate mix?" And that's where that idea oh. came from. Yeah, so uh, for those of you who didn't hear the last one, introduce yourself, brother. My name is Hector Daniel Martinez, a man with a unique voice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I want to thank Mario while I'm here for inviting me back. Um, I remember we had this conversation about addiction a while back. <clears throat> it was what, um, while we were on the job, I think. He was telling me that he had overcame his, uh, one of his main uh, obstacles, which he believed was hindering himself from himself to be the better version of himself, which was the drinking, right? And I just told him about my uh, my previous addiction with, with weed. People, don't, people say you can't get addicted, but you can't get addicted. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm really grateful to be able to speak on this topic. And uh, hopefully anything I say, um, something I say will resonate with somebody that maybe is on that edge to make the decision to start a new leaf to start new habits or maybe they're just wondering how do i do it so thank you mario once again appreciate it absolutely sir thank you for coming back i'm excited about this one all right so let's start with this um by request of my boy you know who you are um he requested that i talk about this so i did a little bit of research on it so andrew tate right Mm. very controversial right now He's definitely been on the news, so. I've got a few good popcorn in my teeth. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, we're, we got on this subject uh, uh, in a few of our conversations uh, a while back because we were talking about self-accountability and um, hopefully you can, you can explain what manosphere is. Right. Um, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, I listened to Jordan Peterson and he just told me he falls under that. And, and I'm surprised that he does because what he talks about is very logical, very reasonable. So, you know, um, yeah, why don't you break that down for us? All right. So this is what I understand. from the, So the Manosphere was a movement uh, for men, obviously, as the name states. Right. And it can be broken down into different sects. So you have the Red Pill community, which I've, I, I'm pretty sure some of you guys have heard of the Red Pill community. I've definitely seen some memes and... Okay, <laughs> red pill community, 
now if these guys listen to me, they're probably gonna want to kick my ass. So uh, <laughs> let me do justice by them. Let me do the my best. What I understand, what is the red pill? Remember the movie The Matrix. What was the red pill? The red pill was opening your mind to reality. Right. So according to the red pill community, they open your mind to the reality of women's nature, understanding women, understanding the nature of women, and how to be more masculine and how to appeal to a woman's true nature right so that's that's uh the red pill community that's what they believe in believe believe in um another part of the manosphere you have the pickup artist mm. which they believe in also understanding a woman's nature but the with the intent of um picking them up and getting what you want out of them so it's more about seduction rather than than uh creating uh connection Right. That's the pickup artist <coughs> part of the manosphere. Um, you have what was there was another one. There was there's a few. Oh, there's there's a, a, a part of the manosphere that it's all about fighting for men's rights. So this is <coughs> a group. Men's rights. Yeah, uh, this is a group that uh, actually takes legal action. For example. Men are constantly losing the battle when it, when it comes to uh, child support, when it comes to custody, right, right. when it comes to any uh, alimony. Men are constantly, uh, according to this group, getting fucked over. And so these people, they it's, it's not like a specific centralized group. It's more like okay. many people can join that movement and, and create their own little group. That will be part of that movement. There's a name for it, but I forgot. So something tangible, something very right, right, right. But right, aspect. exactly. But they fight for men's rights, and um, you know that's that's their whole thing. That's another part of the manosphere. So there's, as you can see, these different groups of the manosphere. There's one aspect of the manosphere uh, which I think Jordan Peterson falls under, and I don't remember exactly um, what the name of it is. But he sounds like a red pill guy. I wouldn't say he's a red pill guy because red pill guys are, are th to a certain extent, they can get very toxic. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, to, in my opinion, when right, it comes right. to, to when it comes to someone <clears throat> like Jordan Peterson, it's about uh, Jordan Peterson. It's, it's all about embracing masculinity and not allowing modern society to to um, change. You know, you know what postmodernism is, right? Yeah, of course. Postmodernism. Okay, so he, he, people like him, fight against postmodernism, like changing the definition of what it is to be masculine. The roles. The roles. Right, right, yeah, right, right, yeah. right. So Jordan Peterson, he's a guy that that says embrace masculinity. You want masculine. You want dangerous men. You want guys who who are capable of violence. Because only then will there be peace, you know. Right, you right. want men to embrace their their nature, you know, work with their hands, fight, you know, uh, learn learn how to fight, learn right, how to right. do all these uh, masculine uh, traits, embrace these masculine traits. Because only then can the world, you know, be truly balanced. That's a, a different aspect, of, <laughs> and I think that's somewhere around where Andrew Tate kind of falls under. However, Andrew Tate's. Uh, the reason why he's so controversial is because he's a bit of a troll, and he's admitted right, that he's right, a troll. Right. So, that's in a nutshell, in a very brief nutshell, and I know it, it didn't go into depth about what it really is. The manosphere basically has different sections. 
of masculinity from themselves. Yeah, and okay. each each of these sections, each, each of these groups, they have their own opinion and vision of what being masculine is. At the end of the day, it all it's all a, a movement for men. Right. And so, something I realized, though, was yeah. that when I started um, researching this guy, Andrew Tate, listening to his interviews, um, <clears throat> it's actually the contrary to what a lot of things you see on social media that, he, that say that he is. Because um, I remember before I used to see my friends, that some of them were, a lot of them were in college, now that I think about it. They were in college and they were like, oh, this guy's a piece of shit. Um, or I can't believe this guy is famous. Right. Um, or stop giving this guy attention. Mm-hmm. And um, you would see these clips where, I, like you said, he was being a troll. Mm-hmm. But it was just to go against what the commentary was saying. Right. Or in, in one instance, he sounded like he was being a troll, but he was being very honest. Um, uh, it, was a very, it was a woman who, like you said, very postmodern um, ideals mm-hmm. with that. <coughs> oh, excuse me, my bad. Let me uh, put this phone on silent. But you have a lot of uh, postmodern uh, ideals in the sense that uh, men should cater to her right. and accept her for how she is. Right, okay. And that <coughs> even if she's um, still looking, this is her words, even though she's still trying to find herself. Yeah, that Ooh, the man, that's a big one, right? That's there, a, that's a big myself. one, exactly. I've heard that so many times. That even though she's trying to find herself, that the man should have the patience to stick around. Yeah. And I remember Andrew Tate said, "So is he allowed to date other people?" And because it sounds like you don't want to, like you're not going to be exclusive to him. Yeah. So why should he be exclusive to you? Right. And that's where she said, "Oh, but it, because if I'm worth it, then he'll do that." So that's when he said, well, you being that type of person that you find it okay to see different people. Yeah. He's like, I'm just dating other people. No, it, you're, you're having sex with them. You're, yeah. you're sleeping with them. So yeah. why, would, why would you consider yourself a high-value woman if you're doing that? Right. And to me, that was like, I mean, I could see why you would think he's being an asshole, but he's not. He's right. literally asking her questions and right. then saying what she was saying in a way where it's more blunt. Right not sugar-coated with mm-hmm. uh, finding yourself. No, it's just right. you don't want to commit and you want to sleep around. That's, that's essentially what it is. Yep. And, um, and yeah, that's what he was saying. That uh, And it, the person that posted this that I saw the video on, um, like I said, she was going to college. She's a very uh, very educated girl. She Right now she's, I believe she just finished uh, her first year of uh, interning as a nurse. So she's definitely a hardworking girl, very smart. I knew her in high school, um, but to me, it just like dawned on me, like, okay, so what kind of guy is she? Right. Is she going to get being right. that thinking like that? Yeah. That's my opinion, right? But uh, yeah, so then, uh, but I've always listened to Jordan Peterson, and in my opinion, Jordan Peterson was, um, I believe, he was pretty brave, yeah. um, being the fact that he was a professor in a very liberal school. Mm-hmm. Um, he got attacked for simply saying, yeah. um, men are men and women are women. Yeah. And that men should act like men right. because they have a duty to do so yeah. in society. Right. Um, because just as, as it's important for men to provide for the home, provide for 
um, whoever they care for, to be compassionate. It's also important for men to be the forefront to the evil in the world. So that's kind of, that, that definitely, it res- resonated with me because even in real life, I'm pretty sure you know that, or some anyone listening has seen situations where it's mayhem between either a couple or uh, a customer and, uh, and uh, an employee where they're going back and forth. And it just takes one person mm-hmm. to be brave enough. Yeah. And... To, and usually you're men, yeah. right? Yeah. To be brave enough to say, hey, guys, stop. Mm-hmm. You, back away. Yeah. She's a woman. Right. Don't don't get in her face like that. Relax. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's all it takes. It doesn't take any fighting. It doesn't take any any escalation of conflict. It just takes somebody to say stop. Just having that presence. Exactly. You know, like so that, that masculine presence. Or not even masculine, but just, just having that powerful, powerful presence and that leadership. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I'll be honest with you. Um, um, I mean, I've, I've, I've also been in that person that has jumped in, but it's not because I want to toot my own horn or to sound masculine or sound like I'm some brave superhero. No, it's just I was raised by women, yeah. so my my uh, ability to step in comes from imagining my mom or my little sister or my grandma yeah. be that other woman that has nobody around her that knows her that cares about her enough to step in right so that's the reasons why i've stepped in it's not because i want some society points or some praise no it's just no one else is doing it mm-hmm. i can only imagine my mom in this situation yeah. i'm gonna be that person right and um you know luckily in every situation that i've done that there hasn't been a fight. Mm-hmm. Actually, only one time it got into almost a fight where this person started approaching me and I just simply got into my stance, um, to my fighting stance, and that person backed away. Yeah. And they left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they cussed at me. Yeah, they threw some things on the floor from the store that I was at. Um, but it didn't go past that. And yeah. it just, and the, and the woman that was behind the register, she thanked me. She's like, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, and it happened uh, also at the gym. Um, there was, uh, you know, right now, if you live in L.A., you know how bad the homeless situation is right now. Mm-hmm. And now there's uh, police have their hands tied. Yep. They can't really do much right now. Mm-hmm. And um, I was at uh, Planet Fitness that's uh, off, of, um, it's off of Washington and um, by Washington and Central. I'll just so oh, you guys. <laughs> right here. Yeah, yeah very right. close by. And um, I remember when I came in, there was a woman that was clearly on drugs. Um, clearly, and she was obviously homeless. Um, she was just talking to herself, screaming. Um, but she was by the door, pretty much to herself. So she she was just screaming. So I just walked in, checked in. Um, you know, I acknowledged the girl that you know she's right there as a. We call them receptions, right? She's the receptionist, and she was just right there. And I, it's crazy, crazy night, huh? And she's like, yeah, but she's not doing anything. So I went on the treadmill, and keep in mind, I just got off of work. In my previous job, I, I dealt with these kind of people all the time, and I, I was the same way. I wouldn't, <laughs> I would leave them alone. Sorry, <coughs> <coughs> up until they would try to hurt somebody or start causing property damage. 
So in this instance, I was maybe 30 minutes into my workout, and the this woman, I turn around to look at the re the reception area, yeah. and this woman had made herself, had made it over to the reception, yeah. and she started taking flyers and the little signs that they have in the front off of her desk. No fucks given. Uh, yeah, no fucks given, and started just taking pens and and nope, there nobody would do anything. The, um, and I think the girls were pretty scared because they were, uh, uh, they were basically calling the police, but telling the police to hurry up. And if you know anything about nine one one dispatch, they they treat it like it's it's a walk in the park. They, yeah. they well, don't. You know, they're trained to remain calm. Exactly, exactly. So she was getting the details, and the girl was being a little frantic. So I just walked over, and with a firm voice, no aggression, nothing. I just said. Ma'am, you gotta go. Come here. And she said, "Huh? What?" And I just stood in front of her like, "Let's go." And of course, she started cursing at me. But it, the thing is that I understood from you know even uh, my family, one um, one member of my family that for one time was on drugs. Yeah. I realized that you just gotta literally repeat it and kind of drill it into them. Like, let's go. Let's go. I, she kept saying what she was saying, but I just kept repeating the same thing. Mm -hmm. And eventually she left. Mm -hmm. But what surprised me was so many men right there just working out that were obviously strong. Yeah. Why didn't they say anything? Yeah. Why? Why did I have to go out on the other side of the gym? Why did that that just blew my mind. So yeah, that's definitely something I think they need. They need more more brave men. Well that's yeah, that's the approach um that uh what's the who, who are we just talking about that was me so no no who what, what uh, uh jordan peterson jordan peterson that, yeah that's that's his approach to masculinity is uh the world needs dangerous men dangerous men are um pacifist in a way because we and i i say we because you know i've I been in military men over here well not just that but <laughs> i've been involved in in a lot of violence you know and in, in I've uh, I've calloused myself to violence, you know. Right, right. So, so men who are capable of violence bring peace because peace has to come one way or another. Sometimes this love and hugging bullshit doesn't bring peace. It doesn't. And I have no shots, but I have a family member who's into that, who's into you know she's an activist, and I love her. You know, she, you know that's family right there. She's into this peace, and we're gonna. She's an activist. We're going to bring peace to the streets by way of more peace. And I love the idea, and I support her. Um, okay. However, at the, den at the end of the day, I have a totally different perspective based on my upbringing and my experience. Sometimes you need violence to bring peace. Right. A lot of times you need violence to bring peace. A lot of times you need – maybe it doesn't always have to escalate to violence, but you need to be capable of violence to bring peace. And right. That's you know, and that's the Jordan Peterson philosophy, which he didn't make, he didn't, he didn't come up with, but you know that's what he preaches. Right. Um, going back to Andrew Tate, I want to touch on him real quick. Right, right. Um, Andrew Tate, very controversial figure, says a lot of shit, trolls a lot, makes a lot of people mad, especially women, ladies. You know, they get upset, they hear him talk, and he, he one of the things he said is he'll get a point across. But he tries to own their emotions 
by owning their emotions, he owns the conversation. He leads the conversation. So basically, he could say men are stronger than women physically, which is a reality. It is. But he can say in the way he says it is women are weak. <laughs> and that'll set women off. What? What do you mean women are weak? You know? <laughs> so it's the same fucking message. Right. But the you know the, the the way he words it, it's in a way to, to get at their emotions to entice right. And once he does yeah, that, he owns the, the the conversation. He leads the conversation. He leads the direction of the conversation. You know that's why when it comes to people like that, you need to hold back and not be in your emotions. You need to have a clear head and be like, okay, where is he getting at with this? I did you see know? that. Yeah, I did see so, that. So, anyhow. But here's what I do agree and disagree with Andrew Tate. Um, one thing that I like about him and I totally agree with is he has this um, idea that women just want to be women. Women in their nature are nurturing. They, you know, they, they, they love the idea of, of um, receiving, you know, love receiving protection you know right everything that a man has to offer attention right attention right women receive even like x-rated even sexually right. women receive right you know um men we're givers right we provide you know we we give intimate intimacy you know so we have our roles by nature not not set up by society, but by nature, we have our roles. And um, he always talks about values. So he just talks about how women who sleep around, they lose their value. And I remember I posted a video like that mm. one time, and, and uh, one of my cousins got mad at me and said, "This is so stupid. You know, women's value is not is not uh, measured by how you know their sexuality." That's not that's not what the message was. Exactly. The message was for the younger generation protect yourself, protect your dignity and protect your 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 value. Don't sleep around. This whole idea of I'm I want to find myself is postmodernism. It is. This whole idea of I want to find myself um so, someone uh I'm I'm going to get a little personal right now, but my girlfriend that I'm dating right now had told me that someone had gave her advice to, you know, keep looking around. Don't put your, all your eggs in one basket. Um, you know, see what what else is out there. Don't don't be exclusive so fast. <coughs> and I get that. I get that from the perspective of you don't want to settle too soon. But at the same time, there's um, that's that can also be bad advice because. If you find someone that matches your values, if you find someone that matches your energy, why and why are you going to continue dating around? Why are you going to have a roster of men? You know, why are you going to have a roster of men or women and continue getting into these non-relationships when you found someone who matches your values, someone who date with a purpose? That's what I believe in. Exactly. You know, date with if you're mm -hmm. gonna get into a relationship, or if you're gonna date somebody, I vet. That's the way I date. I don't. I used to date without a purpose, and that led me nowhere. That led me to being, in, at my age, single, 
and just wasting my time with a bunch of women and wasting my money. Right. I, I stopped doing that and I started betting. And that's something that Andrew Tate is big on. <laughs> Vet these women. Make sure that they, they match your values and they match what your vision is. As a man, you have drive. As a man, you have uh, aspirations. You want to succeed. You want to provide. You want to give the best for your family or your future family. Exactly. It's in our nature to be that way. We protect, we provide, right? Okay. So why are we going to give that to someone who has not earned it, right? So I'm not attracted to a woman that hasn't earned my attraction. Does that make sense? It makes I, perfect so, sense. So what do I mean by that? I, w- I was having this conversation with my girlfriend the other day, but it's something simple, right? Something stupid. It might, it might seem retarded, but um, hot sauce. I have ghost pepper. Mm, right, right. Uh, now I'm, go- I'm getting somewhere with this. <laughs> Um, the first time I went out on a date with her, I test, I tested to see where she was willing to go. So I said, Hey, um, let's do a little challenge. If, if you lose, you have to have ghost pepper and you have to, you have to, yeah, not only (laughs) you have to take a drop, you have to rub it on your lips. Right. So, and she was like, okay, she was down for it. And so, so we, she did it, and then I did it just for the fuck of it. And then we had our first kiss, which was very spicy. With ghost pepper. With ghost pepper. You are so, so <laughs> But. That's hot. Man. Right. But um, what that showed me about her was that she was fun. She was carefree. Right. And she was willing to follow my lead. Uh, okay. Wow, a lot of them. That's yeah. a lot you got out of that. I, I'll out of that. And that's wow. a big one for me because. I've been in relationships with women who refuse to follow a man's lead. Refuse. Right. They, they're they a boss bitch. You know, that's what they call themselves. Not my words. I'm a boss bitch. You know, I get my own money. I'm independent. I don't need no man. And the minute you try to lead something, they're like. There's conflict. Yeah. They, they don't, they can't, they don't know how to deal with that. I don't want that type of woman. Maybe that type of woman is compatible with someone else, a more submissive man. It doesn't work with me. And that's the first thing I want to vet when I'm dating with a purpose is will this person follow my lead? Because I'm look, I'm thinking long term. Yeah, it seems kind of kind of desperate for me to go on a date and, and be like, oh, I'm looking at this person long term. It's not desperate. It's, in fact, the, quite the opposite. Right. You know, because <coughs> I'm not afraid to look at their person and say, not for me, next, you know. So, I'm dating with a purpose, and I'm vetting from the beginning little things that tell me, okay, this person is compatible with me. And what that translates to in the future, say you move in with a person, you get married with a person. Right, right. Somebody needs to lead the finances. Somebody needs to be the head of household. Somebody needs to make the decisions in the household. Right. You know, not saying (laughs) that. It's going to be a dictatorship and the man's going to ru- rule everything and the woman must submit and follow and shut up. No. A woman plays a very important role in the household, in traditional homes, traditional values, which is what I believe in, right? And I, in order for me to find out, the first thing I need to find out is if a, the woman I'm dating, if she believes that and if she acts on it. If I do something, will she follow my lead? 
right? <coughs> if 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 they refuse, if they're not willing to have that type of interaction, whatever, it's not for me. It's not compatible. Uh, you know, it was great seeing you tonight. You know, whatever. Another thing I don't do is I don't spend money on women. I don't spend too much money on women on the first date. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't take them to fancy exactly. dates. I don't buy them flowers. Let's go have a simple date and see if we have chemistry and connection. If we do, the flowers are coming. If we do, the date is coming. You get me? You know what's interesting? Too? It's, you know, and, um, you know, we, ever since I met you too, we've always, we've had a lot of conversations about self-accountability. Yeah. And that's, I don't know if you remember when I told you that, that's exactly what I was doing in terms of um, differently this time. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of who I'm going to be talking to, who I'm going to be choosing as my partner. And it's that I am not going to go out of my way to meet someone anymore. Mm. It is too much work. Yeah. Um, it almost feels forced. Mm-hmm. And yes, the end result um, was desirable. Yeah. It was desirable momentarily. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, you would you would notice this person isn't for you. Yeah. You would walk away from this person, right. and you're back to feeling empty. Yeah. And you repeat the cycle again. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the way I've been vetting, and this is something that I told myself, um, is that I am gonna have a schedule, mm-hmm. something that I do no matter what. Mm-hmm. First one is exercise. Second one. I am going to praise God. And not just in like, I'm going to go and, and uh, you know, be this religious person. No, I am simply going to follow his rule. Mm-hmm. Follow the discipline that is Hold taught. Hold that thought because this is about to end. We'll, oh, go, on. Exactly. we'll go on the second one. Second. Hold that thought. All right, we're back. We're back. So uh, basically, uh, something I told myself was, I'm going to do certain things. And this, this is going to basically... Uh, it goes back to what I told you about addiction because, man, addiction is hard. My addiction was lust and weed. Mm. And those two things, I believe, were just taking over my life. Yeah. Um, they were depleting my finances. Um, so the point is that, yeah, so I said, okay, I'm going to exercise and I'm going to eat every time I feel a need to, you know, go and smoke or... If I feel like, uh, you know, uh, this is causing me to uh, desire sex that is meaningless, yeah. I'm going to make the excuse that I'm going to go work out yeah. because I, I need to discipline myself right. to not go off of impulse. I have something to say on that. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, But basically, I so I remember when I was, I was working with, uh, with Cluttered, um, I was waking up at... Uh, five in the morning and then I would shower oh cold showers by the way nothing but cold showers another part of uh, something I said I was gonna do <laughs> Dude, it, it is a game changer though so anyways cold showers I would go to work get there at six um, get out of work um, around five six seven when we would get out yeah. and then go to my second job at seven get out at three and here's the thing even if I got out at three I would go to the gym. Damn. Why? It's not because 
I, I was being vain or, or because, oh, I want to be some fucking bodybuilder. Right. No, no, it was just because that's something that I promised myself yeah. that I was going to do. Yeah. And of course, at, the, at first, man, I was, that's why you saw me with all those uh, shots, those espresso shots. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll do my best to stay off of them, but I would probably like, that shit. dude, three <laughs> days out of the week, I, I would be drinking two or three of them in one day. And um, so, yeah, it was just something that I said I would do. And I remember, I remember that um, my ex would make her, make her presence known yeah. throughout this, this journey. And it got to the point where I said, no, like, I, I can't go back to that. I can't go back to, you know, uh, those old relationships, those old habits. I just can't. Yeah. So what I did is I muted her. So I couldn't see any of your stories, any of her posts, like you're supposed to, because it's it's technology. That's what it's for, to yeah. block or to mute, whatever. Right. So and then I just kept pushing forward, and uh, lo and behold, right now I'm talking to someone. I'm, I'm starting to date somebody that. That's that's what they value as well. They value work. Yeah. They value family. Yeah. And they value exercise and fitness. Yeah. And I didn't have to go anywhere to meet this type of person because since I had those habits yeah. I to a certain degree was attracting that type of person yeah. and I was in that type exactly. of setting yeah. and um, something that I uh, that I acknowledged about this person was that they respected their father yeah. and that's something that I, I've never before becoming 25 years old ever tried to do yeah. right now I just turned 26 um, but I remember I was 24, and uh, I was telling this girl that uh, she was very sweet, very sweet, very fun. But I really, I, I hated the way she talked to her mom and her dad. Yeah. She was very disrespectful, and something that, um, something that my my dad told me that, you know, I, oh, I just rebuilt my my relationship with my father who. Yeah, he walked out on my mom, but it's like, if I want to have a healthy relationship with my partner, you got to acknowledge that all problems with the relationships stem from mommy or daddy issues. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so, um, you know, uh, my father, I, I opened up to him about it. He's like, yeah, dad, you know, so, yeah, this is happening. And, you know, she's like, oh, oh is she your girlfriend? I said, no. Wow, you, you responded so fast. Yeah. Why is that? Yeah. I told him. I don't know, like, I just don't, I, I, I don't feel right around it because she's so disrespectful to her mom. Like, her mom tells her, um, oh, did you uh, do this that I asked you to? Jeez, I'm going to do it when I get around to it. Duh. Right. And would hang up on her mom. Yeah. Or if her dad um, would be like, oh, uh, can you pick up your brother? Yeah. Uh, I'm not even, I'm going to get there late, so if you do me a huge favor. You would even say you would be doing me a huge favor if you could pick him up. Yeah. And she would say yes, but the way she would say yes would be, gosh, you guys are always relying on me for stuff. Boom, click. Mm-hmm. And it's just, when I told this to my dad, he said, look, son, um, I'm definitely not the expert for, you know, in relationships, but something that I liked about your mom, and I believe is the reason why your mom was such a good mother to you guys, why she was always there for you guys, why even though she had the opportunity to come to this country and make money and just keep sending money to you guys, 
she decided to bring me here is because she understands the value of a parent. And I love the way that, I used to like the way that she respected her dad and her mom because something that my mother told me was, well, his mother, right? Well, what my mother told me was that if she can't respect and and honor the person that gave her life, yeah. what do you expect? That, and that, it sounds simple, right? But it's, it's very deep because your mother and your father, as horrible as they might be, they might be the most destructive people to have in your life. Yeah. But if you can't just respect them yeah. and acknowledge that you wouldn't be on this earth yeah. without them, and you're gonna treat others worse. Yeah. No matter, even if they're so, and it's crazy that I'm saying this because this same girl, she had a best friend, quote unquote, that they would always be doing dirty stuff to each other, mm-hmm. whether it was money was missing in their cars or, or um, they had a previous fallout because, you know, uh, she started dating her ex and things yeah. like that. Toxic shit. Toxic yeah. shit. And like you said, um, you know, she was part of that whole, oh, it's because I do what I do and I do what I want. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you with uh, that vetting is so important as a woman and as a man. And it all comes down to how honest are you with yourself? Yeah so that you can be honest with the people you have around you because that's something I had to do. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, to, oh, going, something I was in my mind when you mentioned about uh, <clears throat> not giving in to your urges. Right, right. So that's, that's to me, that's a big thing. And dude, a, a big portion of my audience Shout out! By the way, I have another listener that, that it was it, it was a surprise listener. I didn't even know was listening to my stuff. <clears throat> Someone I work with, and and he told me, "Oh yeah, I've heard your podcast." I was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> How did you find it?" You know, but whatever. Right, right. So shout out to to my audience. Yeah, a lot of them are young are young dudes, bro. Yeah, right. Ages twenty to twenty five. It's like the majority of my audience. Like if if you look at my uh, analytics, right. That's the majority of my audience, young young men, young guys. Right, you right. know, whatever they listen to what I say, you know, like, oh shit, that's a lot of. Well, you got some bad stories, bro. I've heard some of your previous but, podcasts. Um, uh, again, so if you guys are listening, a big part of masculinity, to me, uh, and this this is something I gathered uh, based on a, a lot of powerful men that I listen to, the Jordan Petersons the Steve Harvey's of the world, you know, like all these men that are successful, they're, they're inner masculine energy, um, is to be balanced, to be centered, to be stoic in control of your emotions in control of your urges. Right. You know, so what is a lot of men's weakness? Look at a dog, right? You look at a dog, he sees a female, the, the motherfucker starts humping the air. horny motherfuckers right 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 and and look at a lot of men have killed or been killed for sex a lot of a lot of men have died for sex for their urges sleeping with another man's woman getting killed for it you know 
or, or whatever the case may be. And that's a form of weakness, mental weakness. You're not being stoic. You're not being in control of your urges. You think that sleeping around and, and uh, racing your numbers is, is masculine? You think that makes you a man? That makes you weak because you don't know how to right. control your urges. A true man is fully in control of himself. Fully in control of himself. Um, emotionally sexually i mean just in complete control balance that's the goal that's the end goal we're not going to be there 100 percent, but that's the journey that we should be on as men and if imagine this what's what's more um what do i say here impressive right if, right. if if imagine a school setting this is when uh, around the time when, when boys start talking about numbers and their roster and whatever right, right what's more impressive a guy who can say i slept around with, with all those women or the guy who who can say well you know all those women came to me and i rejected them all because they're not worth my time right what's more impressive exactly now there's a difference you know, there's the little, the you know, the little nerdy boy who, who probably gets no play. You know, he doesn't work out, whatever. He's mm -hmm. not athletic. Right. Doesn't okay, but as soon as those young boys, if those young boys had a masculine figure, a role model in their life, they would be working out. They would be into some kind of sport. They would be into some kind of physical fitness or activity. You know, and imagine you being that kid. You have a, a strong masculine figure in your life. You work out. You look good. You're stoic. You're learning to be stoic. You're learning to not be uh, emotional about everything that happens in your life. Exactly. So that attracts the opposite sex because they see that. So you create an attraction that's very natural. Not only do you look good, you you have your you know um, what women are looking for naturally: the white shoulders. You know the right. the the. the um, the masculine features, you know, the face, all that, right. the chin, you know, you just have that strong appearance. You're athletic. You're an alpha. You're an alpha male, and uh, on top of that, you're very stoic, and uh, you're in control of your emotions. Now, imagine you're that attractive kid in high school, and then all these chicks start coming out. Oh, that guy's so, you know, he's so hot, whatever, and they start coming at you. And you go whatever, you, whether you go to parties, house parties, whatever the case may be. These ladies come up to you. And you are so up here in your value and your self-worth that when they come up to you, you're like, no, I'm good. I'm good. No, thank you. I'm good. I'm good. Because you're protecting your self-worth. You're protecting your value. Right. You're protecting your masculinity. Because when you do finally meet that, that woman that's on your level of value, you're going to give her something that she's earned because she's also taken care of herself. You know, exactly. you get me. So to me, that's more masculine. It's just being in full control and not giving into your urges. Does that mean that you have to remain a virgin the entire fucking time you're in, you're <laughs> in high school? Not necessarily, you know, but if you are going to engage in, in intimacy, intimacy, exactly. if you make a connection with a girl, you're not just having a one night stand. You're not just stacking up your numbers. You're creating an intimacy. You're learning how to create a healthy intimacy with the opposite sex. That's very different. 
I'd rather have two good women in my life that I've slept with than a hundred wasted time females that I wasted my energy and wasted my value on. Right, right. And, and that's very, it's, it's very key to understand that. And I know what a lot of, uh, a lot of you guys are, might say that, you know, uh, oh, you've never been there. You've never had more than multiple women. And I think it's safe to say more of you too. We've had that opportunity yeah. to um, sleep around. And especially when I, I moved out of my house at 17. So I had my own place at 17, 18 while I was in high school. And on the surface, it was cool to have women coming over to my house yeah. Um. Sleep. Stay the night, and then uh, see him in school. They would try to talk to me again, but I was like, "No, I'm, I'm okay. I'm good with you." And at on the surface, yeah, it felt cool, and everyone thought you were the guy. But in reality, looking back at it, I diminished my potential. Yeah. Because when I got to college, you meet very responsible women and it just to me I felt like I uh, like I let go of a lot of great opportunities to meet very high value women yeah so I retreated to work I started working and I, I feel like I never fully developed myself in terms of holding back on my desires holding back on my urges so I wasted a lot of money. Yeah. Um, at one point, I remember that I was working with some guy. Keep going. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get something. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. So I remember. Uh, actually, we're gonna wait for Mario because Mario. Okay. <laughs> no, no worries, no worries. So I had um. See, Mario likes vinyls, so we're gonna sing some Frank Sinatra with this new voice that I've acquired. And uh, give Mario some feedback. Let me know if you guys see me on doing some voiceover. <coughs> Mic check one, two. And now the end is near. And so I face a final curtain. My friend, I'll say it clear. I'll state my case. Of which I'm certain I lived a life that's full I've traveled each and every highway Oh no, oh no, not this I did it my way Regrets, I had a few But then again too few to mention I did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption I planned each charted course each careful step along the wait, along the highway oh no I did it my way. The 
Yes, there were times, I'm sure you knew, when I bit off more than I can chew. But, <coughs> but through it all, when there was doubt, I ate it up and spit it out. I faced it all, and I stood tall. And did it my way. I loved, I laughed and cried. I had my fill, my share of losing. My Sinatra impression, bro. Were <laughs> you singing or what? Yeah, just. <laughs> I told him to give me feedback, bro. Because if I'm gonna do this voiceover shit, I need the feedback ASAP. Oh yeah. No, but yeah. Can't wait to see what the fuck you. <laughs> I'm surprised I still remember the lyrics. No, but yeah, like, uh, uh, I acknowledge that when I was 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21, um, one, I was sleeping around, and it was very empty. And then when, obviously, the type of relationship I attracted was just the same. And the crazy part about it is that it started off well, but because I had never been in a long-term serious relationship, yeah. I really struggled to to build that type of thing, that type of uh, connection. So when I ended that relationship, instead of giving myself time to to develop the discipline that I needed as a man, mm-hmm. and because I was at 21, you're no longer you're no longer a, a child you're no longer a young man no you're a man at Mm -hmm. that point and financially I was doing well Um, in terms of uh, you know the type of things I was doing they were I I was doing personal training on the side working for T-Mobile so I was making good money paying rent all that stuff right but at the same time I wasn't developing my character as I should have disciplining myself to not give into those desires so i'll never forget it because after two months of being in that two-year relationship i jumped into another one mm. and as you might two months two months bro yeah, very soon, very soon and <laughs> no type to no time to get rid of the old habits i had from the previous relationship yeah. no time to develop the discipline um to not give into my urges mm-hmm. um not not acknowledging the fact that I had to do better to to not control but to direct my emotions to mm-hmm. something productive yeah. um, to an outcome that was productive mm-hmm. so the next the second and the next relationship after that was very toxic mm-hmm. I'll never forget it because um, I I don't regret it mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't regret it because I learned so much never regret right and I don't because being with this person showed me my flaws at their core to the point where it was undeniable that this is the reason why I was not advancing in my career why I wasn't advancing in my fitness why I wasn't advancing in terms of the goal I had set out to own a home at 25 right and it, it really is 
mind-boggling to see how we push our goals further back mm -hmm. in terms of time. We keep pushing them back because we don't we don't control those urges. Yeah. We don't we don't discipline ourselves. We don't take full accountability for everything mm -hmm. that happens in our life. So after leaving this relationship, um, and I was working the schedule I told you from with clutter and then mm -hmm. from my night job and then uh, the gym. And then the final key that I had to do was to leave smoking behind. Mm -hmm. Something that I did back in December. Mm -hmm. And just by not smoking yeah. as and not doing any smoking act related activities, meaning going out to get some food to eat at one in the morning. Um, you know, that leads to the smoke. Exactly, because <laughs> that leads to more smoke, you know, or, yeah. or I go out and I smoke at the park yeah. or I smoke in front of the, you know, the gym. Yeah. Either one or two things will happen at the gym. Mm -hmm. I would smoke in front of the gym. Some girl that liked to smoke would, I would start talking to her and it would lead to more smoking and sometimes I just would get distracted and wouldn't go to the gym Yeah. because I'm st just out there smoking <laughs> and smoking and hanging out with this girl. So it's like, yeah. and then, uh, I'm not even going to get it. My plug knows that I spend a lot of money on weed, even though he gave me an amazing deal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even though I used to grow my own weed, yeah. but it's, it's pointless because when you get to the point of addiction where, where out, I was to the point where on my days off, the yeah. one, two days I had off, I would wake up in the morning before I ate, mm -hmm. sometimes even before I drank my, my bottle of water because I do this habit of, I have this habit of drinking a bottle of water as soon as I wake up because mm -hmm. I saw that that's really good for you. Yeah. So even before that, I would go and hit my bong in my car. Mm. Sometimes I would get so, so... Sorry, isn't it funny how we, we do shit that's the it's supposed to be healthy and beneficial for us, but at the same time we do unhealthy shit. Exactly. Like you drink your bottle of water. Oh, I'm good. My body's good. And then I'm gonna go smoke my fucking bomb. It's <laughs> that kink in the armor. Exactly. It's yeah. that kink in the armor that um that usually if you want to know what your kink in your armor is, see what you get defensive about. Yeah. Because I had studies. I had um you know uh, like doctors. Yeah that I listened to that I would quote mm -hmm. whenever somebody brought it up, like, you should stop smoking. Yeah. <laughs> I would just throw all this garbage information at them and so to defend to, myself. To be fair, I, I, don't, I think those doctors still have a point. They uh, do. On what they, I don't think smoking in itself is horrible. And it, what, what it comes down to is anything that takes over your life and controls your life and exactly. keeps you from achieving what you need to achieve that's when it's a problem smoking in itself is not bad exactly letting it control your life that's bad and, and it's crazy because um don't the, the one of the main things that i did differently this time that i stopped smoking because i've i've tried to quit many times um i started smoking at 15 so i've tried to quit maybe five six times because of different reasons, right? Um, jobs, um, you know, just improve my relationships, uh, be better with my with my time, mm -hmm. so I wouldn't be late to places. 
So there's been many reasons. Mm -hmm. But the one difference I did was that I prayed. Mm -hmm. I, I actually prayed. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, I prayed in the morning. And, I, and it was because, like I said, I woke up, I went to my cart, and I literally looked at the bong. And I hadn't smoked yet, but I pictured the smoke in my mind. I was just, I was already attacking myself. Like, why are you doing this? Like, mm -hmm. go eat, go work out. Come on, you got plans. This is my head going, right? Mm -hmm. But I feel like this is just my soul just screaming out to me. Like, what are you doing? Like, you got all this ambition. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. But the point is, I sat in my car, packed the bong, mm -hmm. and I pictured the smoke going into my lungs. Mm -hmm. I pictured myself falling asleep in my car. Mm -hmm. I pictured myself not doing anything that day. Mm. Yep, that'll do it for you. And I and I just <laughs> told myself, like, God, please, I need help. And I pull out my phone, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to put this down. I'm going to go inside. And... Um, and I told myself, okay, I need to listen to something motivational. It's almost like, I sound like a junkie right now, but yeah, I need to listen to something motivational, right? Um, so I put on some Grant Cardone, a very short clip, like two minutes, but it skipped over to the next video. Mm -hmm. And I don't know who this person was because I was showering and I couldn't see who it was. Mm -hmm. But the point is that this person said, the reason I stopped drinking was because I'll never forget it. I was on my way home and I was driving mm -hmm. and for 10 minutes that I drove on the way home, I kept thinking, man, I can't wait till I have my drink right now when I get home. Mm -hmm. And so not only was drinking taking over my life when I was drinking and after I drunk and I got drunk, mm -hmm. it was taking over my time and my mind even when I wasn't. Mm -hmm. So in reality, instead of drinking for from six to the moment I wake up, because sometimes I would still wake up drunk, I was actually drunk because it had my mind already, it had already captured my mind since two in the afternoon. Yeah, and I, I have a lot to say about alcohol. Right, right. <laughs> so I definitely want to get your opinion on it. Um, but the point is that it's, it, I just heard that, I'm like, wow. And then I'll never forget it because, okay, I said, okay, that, that's a really good one. And that, that thought just kept lingering in my mind because I kept telling myself, like, man, I want to, like, I do that. I would do that shit at work. Like, I'd be maybe two hours left at work, and I'd be like, man, right now when I get to my car, I'm going to fucking pack my bong. Mm -hmm. And I would picture myself high and everything. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I would do that exact thing. Mm -hmm. And then I remember that um, I think this is, you know, God, he's, he, he works in mysterious ways, and, I think he uh, used my my little sister to give me a message mm -hmm. because um, my little sister came over and I love my little sisters. Um, uh, Omar, you've had the opportunity to see me interact with them. Yeah. So you know how they they love being around me too. Mm -hmm. um, so she comes over and I just get out, I'm getting out the shower and then I hear my grandma in the dining room. Oh, right now don't bother your brother. He's gonna go. Um, He's gonna go change. And I hear my little sister, the younger one. She's like, he's not in his car this time? No. Oh, <laughs> oh gosh. He's not asleep in his car? <laughs> <laughs> and it hurt. It little really, kids are savages. They're savages. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, wow. So I just go into my room, right? 
I like start crying and shit. I wanted to. I definitely wanted to. <laughs> but um, hold on, hold that thought. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. back um so yeah so my little sister said that little comment oh he's not in his sleep in his car this time so <laughs> you know i'm already in my room my room i change i come out and i'm like joma and then I, it's like danny and then he's like oh you gotta carry me because i haven't seen you in a few days and this and that mm-hmm. and we just start talking and then i carry her and you know i like she tells me what's going on in school and then i see my other little sister and she's like same fucking thing. Oh, you're not in your car. And I'm just like, oh, hi, bugs. Like, jeez, what's wrong? What's up with you two? And, you guys, and so, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know those girls, but you know how they talk. So, um, yeah, so I'm just like, I laugh it off. And then um, I'm probably out there with them for about an hour, two hours maybe, because we ate and then uh, we sat on the couch and we were just like, they were telling me about what movie they saw. I think they saw the, what was the movie they saw? I forgot the name of the movie, but yeah, they saw some like cartoon movie with my mom. They went to the theaters. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I just started like making jokes, making them laugh. And then out of the blue, just out of the blue, my little sister, the youngest one, she's all like, Danny, Please don't smoke. I really like it when you don't smoke because, <laughs> because you you're very funny and you and you we have a lot of fun. And you're not the same. You're always getting mad whenever you smoke. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that hurt deep. That <laughs> hurt. And yeah. I'm and at that that time right there, I did tear up a little bit. Mm. And I just like wipe my tears. I'm like, don't worry, Jomi. Um, thank you for telling me that. She's like, so you're gonna, you're gonna stop smoking. I'm like. <clears throat> And, and I told her, I'm going to do my best. And she's like, so you're not. Wow. Oh, my Here's a no God. They'll tell you like it is. <laughs> They'll tell you like it is. So you're not. So you're not. And I'm like, no, I, trust me, Jomi. I'm going to do my best, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to watch. I will. Mm-hmm. She's like, okay. And it's like, you know, but really, Danny, I re- like you should start going to the park again. Because before I smoked, um, a lot less, obviously, because I... I would stop and then I start, stop and start. So when I would stop, I would, to a certain degree, I felt anxious, right? Yeah. So I'd be like, all right, let, let me let me go work out. So I'd go work out at the park and then they would be like, where are you? Are you oh, I'm going to the park. Can I go with you? I'm like, okay, let's go. Mm-hmm. But when I started smoking, mm-hmm. sometimes I would work out with people that smoke yeah. or I would go smoke in my car. So my whole car would reek like weed. So I wouldn't want them in my car. That smell, man. Yeah. And, um, so I just wouldn't take them. Mm-hmm. Um, so now they're, you know, um, yeah, they tell me, my, she tells me that, and I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, and then that thought came into my head that I was thinking maybe like five minutes before, mm-hmm. like, oh, like, I want to go smoke. But that thought just vanished. Mm-hmm. And then I just teared up. I and was then ashamed. I, I was ashamed, man. And um, and then I go, and my mom come, walks in because she's talking on the phone. Cause she has her own business, so she was like talking to one of her business partners and then to her clients. So she was on the phone for the, these two hours that I'm telling you that they were there. Mm-hmm. She was in her car on the phone, mm-hmm. 
So she comes back like, oh, like, papi, como estas again? Like, I'm good, mom. Like, how you been? Good, good. And she's all like, um, my little sister, oh, that new hook, you know, va fumar. And my, my mom's all like. She threw it out there. And she's just like that. And um, my mom's all like, oh, vaya, vaya, a ver si ahora sí esta vez. Damn. And so my mom, you know, disbelieved. And so I'll never forget it, Mario. Like, I, I, they left. They left maybe like probably like maybe like two more hours later, right? Mm-hmm. And I go into my room, and that time I broke down. I just like God, like you know, I'm not gonna do it. Um, please, like give me, give me the strength. Like I, I can't rely on my own strength. I need your strength. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as I, as soon as I feel the urge, like give me the strength to do some push-ups, to do, to do something, so that that just goes away. And yeah, I did that for maybe maybe close to a month, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I'll never forget it because the, I told my grandma. Speaking of the Oh, what? Alexa, pause. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> Is Samantha your girl? Alexa, stop. Is Samantha your girl? Yeah. That is beautiful, Mario. You... <laughs> I'm happy for you, brother. I'm happy for you. Hey, Samantha, I love you. <laughs> there you go. You see, while on the podcast, so yeah, you got it. You got him, Samantha. You got him. <laughs> Just take care of this soldier, though. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So, um, and on, and this is another. Um, it was so rewarding to, to tell my mom this because. Um, so my brother, he was, uh, for a little while, he was pretty abusive to his dogs because of, he's just very abusive, very abusive to the dogs. Um, started making her aggressive to the point where she bit my hand and she bit it pretty bad. And, um, you know, uh, I was having conflict with my brother and, uh, I told my brother cause uh, she bit another neighbor. Mm-hmm. So this dog was very aggressive at this point. And um, he refused to change, to feed him more, to to um, to stop hitting her, mm-hmm. um, because even though we fed her, you know, there's only so much we can do, because he we could feed her as much as we want, but this fight with my brother would always happen. So this is after a fight that my brother tried to initiate, but I was at this point already pretty level-headed, and I just mm-hmm. told him, "Look, bro, like I made the report, so I mean, it's up to you at this point, like." Like whatever, whatever you want to say, like you say. But I took the pictures, I did this, I did that. So it's on you. And so obviously my grandmother saw all this. She tells my mother, and my mother calls me. And um, at this point I'm a month sober. Um, and I told my grandma, Nikki, like, don't tell my mom, because when she, my mom would always be like, oh my god, what I do wrong? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them's a drunk, the other one's a pothead. Man. You know, you know how it is, yeah, right? Old school yeah. Mexican moms, and yeah. sometimes my like grandma would say my mom would actually break down. Yeah. But you know, um, I told my grandma, like Kiki, like don't tell my mom that I'm not smoking. Like, mm-hmm. and when she tells you that, just tell her, okay, don't worry, it's gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. Like, don't tell her, don't tell her. And she's like, why? Because she's not gonna believe you. And she's like, and she's like, oh, I mean, okay, I won't do it. And I'm so grateful for my grandmother. She's. After my great-grandmother passed away, I thought I wouldn't have a supporter in my family, but there she is, right? But the point is that um, 
a month passed by, my mom calls me. She's like, so what happened to Antonio and your brother? I said, oh, well, well, it mean nothing. I just, I just informed them that, you know, his dog bit the neighbor, so I had to uh, take pictures of the neighbor's um, bite mark. Mm-hmm. I had to send the report to the to dog pound. Mm-hmm. There's now an agent on the case, mm-hmm. so they're more likely gonna uh, interview him and see the dog and yeah. and everything. And um, and she's like, wow, like she said. And how's your hand? I'm like, oh, well, I'm fine. He's like. See, this type of things wouldn't happen if you, if you weren't such a fucking marijuana. And oh, <laughs> she said, you know, it, it, you don't think it affects your brain. You don't think it affects your emotions. Your sister already told you that you don't, you're not the same person. And this, and she just went off. Mm-hmm. And um, I just let her talk because, like I said, I'm not, I have no reason to be defensive because mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing. I knew I was, yeah. I, I had already faced this, yeah. this, this, uh, this demon, if you will, right? Yeah. So, and then I just let her talk, and I'm like, no, I get you, Mom. Mm-hmm. And I told her, like, you know what, Mom? Like, I haven't told you, and I told Mickey not to tell you. <coughs> but I think it's time to tell you. But I haven't been smoking for like a month. Mm-hmm. A silence. Mm-hmm. A good five-second silence. Of, and I just hear my mom, her voice breaking. Really? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. I... I haven't been smoking, um, you know, I've been, I don't know, I just don't even feel the urge anymore, mom, like, I, no. I, I don't even, and people have offered me weed at work, like, and I rejected it, and it feels good, and I don't know, I'm just good, but you don't have to believe me, mm-hmm. and I just hear my mom tearing up, and she's like, no, 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 like, I believe you, you know, I've been asking, I've been praying for you, uh, I'm so happy for you, mm-hmm. uh, and this is like, one of the first times that I hear my mom, second time in my life that I hear my mom say, I'm sorry, I didn't know, mm-hmm. but I'm proud of you, Papi, like, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, like, you don't know how you made my day right now. And like, like, don't worry, mom, like, you know, like, um, you know, thank God because, you know, you've given me the strength to pull this off because, be, as you know, like, I've tried many times, so, so don't worry, mom, like, I'm good now, like, I don't know, I just don't even feel the urge to do it anymore. She's like, I'm so happy for you, and uh, so it was a really, it was a game changer for me to, to finally acknowledge the fact that I was addicted to something, mm-hmm. and to use that same energy, because if, if you're, if you're addicted to something, no, it's not bad, mm-hmm. in the sense that, don't beat yourself up as a person, mm-hmm. just realize it's a habit that is consuming all your mental energy, your physical energy, right. to the point where you feel like you need this mm-hmm. to produce that energy. Right. But when you leave that substance or that person or that habit, mm-hmm. you're gonna realize you still have that energy, which is why you feel anxious. Yeah. So all I did was instead of trying to get rid of a habit, I replaced the habit. Mm-hmm. Because that's something that I believe that Anyone who has an addiction has the potential to do to be great at something yeah. by putting that same amount of energy. You have to substitute it. Exactly, because you, you can't replace it. You can't replace it. You can't. So impossible. Exactly, and it and it's crazy it's because it's not impossible. It's just less likely that you're gonna stick to it. Honestly, I I I don't really use that word impossible often, mm-hmm. but I I would say the word impossible to get rid of that mm-hmm. emotional, mm-hmm. Um, that physical. It's not anxiety, it's energy that 
tendency yeah. to want to do something. And I believe, you know, there's plenty of studies out there that where they've uh, researched the brain and the chemicals that are released, dopamine, I'm pretty sure you've heard of dopamine. Mm -hmm. um, the amount of dopamine that is released when you smoke, when you yeah. drink, when you have sex, mm -hmm. it's part of the same, it, it's in the same parts of the brain. Yeah. So you literally just gotta reprogram your habits so that way your brain is programmed to look for dopamine responses in, in those way. habits. Yeah, in a positive way. In a positive way. So that's basically all I did. And um, and it gives you a different level of confidence. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe that one of the most, one, one of the most beneficial um, benefits I, I would say is that I've been able to speak to people that have been on that edge mm -hmm. to want to stop doing what they're doing. Yeah. And be able to come from being genuine, being yeah. genuine and saying, you don't need it. Mm -hmm. Because back then I couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. Back then I would be like, oh, you're doing great, bro. Like, just try to, you know, just do this. Just try to do this. Mm -hmm. But I felt like a liar, like a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. Now I feel like, look, this is what I do. This is what's helping me. Hopefully it helps you. Yeah. And people feel that. People feel that genuinely, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, that, that's my experience. I know you have, a, you have, you, you face one of the biggest demons, which is alcohol. That is, mm. well, that's a First one. of all, before I say anything, just, I mean, that's an amazing story. You've told me the story before, but it's always, it's always great to hear somebody's, sorry, I got to get closer to the mic, somebody's journey of overcoming addiction or substance abuse. Appreciate and, it, brother. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, so absolutely, you know, proud of anyone who can leave that behind, because I, I fucking know how hard it is. Yeah. And having that character and that, mindset to fight that right dude, yeah right right a hundred percent respect dude appreciate it appreciate it brother <sighs> um fuck i'm not gonna go into detail about my um you know struggle with alcohol i have plenty of episodes where people can go back and listen to it because i've talked about it right, a lot right. but for me it, it's fun out of control uh, it, is, it started with me drinking a beer here and there, and um, it just turned into hell for me. Um, one thing I could say is I got to a point where I needed alcohol to function. At least that's what I mm. thought. Mm. And one thing about alcohol is it's one of those things that can literally kill you if you go cold turkey. Right, right. You know, it's one of those few things that can literally kill you. And... Uh, to me, it got to a point where I don't even know how to describe it, but my insights were hurting. Yeah, and then I was engaging in very um, risky behavior uh, involving alcohol. I mean, I felt I've talked about it a million times, but I felt like I had to be buzzed. I needed that buzz feeling the entire day. I would be drinking early in the morning and as soon as the buzz went away I needed that buzz again so I'd go get my drink again carried a flask on me I was the typical alcoholic I remember when you told me you used to run miles yeah, drunk drunk that is <laughs> wow Mario <laughs> so I, I needed that um, I needed that fix so here's one thing I was talking to to my girl recently about 
one of her, her friend's husband. And, and right. She told me that um, he's an alcoholic and he's tried to stop many times and he'll go long periods of time without drinking and he'll fall and he'll relapse or whatever. Right. <laughs> so, one thing is that when, when it comes to alcohol, and I've seen people who are able to go cold turkey and leave it behind, that's admirable. I don't know how the fuck you guys do it, but when I try to go cold turkey, I went through hell, literally, uh, mentally. I needed that shit, I felt. And it got to a point where I was having mood swings and going off on people Man. and being sober. So, um, I'm not even that pissed off when I drink. <laughs> so, being sober, crazy. I was pissed. Yeah. So, uh, I decided that I was going to take a different approach. Rather than going cold turkey, I said, I'm going to take a few months off and prove to myself that I don't need it. And so, that's what I did. I took a few months off. And just like your story, my story is very similar. It, it came right. It came from one day to the other. So I, I went through a breakup that really affected me. And I was waking up daily, um, sleeping in late. And I had right. bottles everywhere. There were empty bottles of whiskey everywhere, all over. Beer, cans, whiskey. I remember one day I woke up, and I was just disgusted. Like, I looked around, and I was like, ah, this is fucking gross. This is fucking disgusting. My room's a mess right now. I smell like shit. I reek of alcohol. I'm right. nauseous. This doesn't feel good. I went to the mirror, and I just told myself exactly like I listened to David Goggins a lot. Oh yeah, same, and same. He, he uh, yeah. he's big on that. But I looked at myself in the mirror and I told myself exactly what I was. I was like, "You're a sorry, weak, fucking alcoholic. You're right. a sorry, weak alcoholic. You're a sorry excuse for a man. You're not strong. You're teaching your son to be weak. You're a terrible role model. Just be fucking real." You know, and that's that's the thing that you wow. were you were yeah. talking about how you defend your position and shit. We do that a lot. Yeah. yeah and sometimes yeah. you have to get real with yourself. You have to look yourself in the mirror. And just exactly. be a hundred percent real. Call it. Don't sugarcoat it. Call exactly. it for what it is. And and people think it's weird when I when I talk to them. I, I told my cousin this one time, and she was like, "Don't say that," but I mean it. Exactly. I was a pathetic fucking drunk. I was a pathetic drunk, weak minded. There was nothing good about me. I was a fucking drunk. Exactly. Let's call it for what it is. And, uh, that's the same realization. Yeah. I look at myself in the mirror. And again, just like you and your little sisters, my son, I remember one day I was, I was going to the car. I, that was my thing. I used to go to the car, play music and drink and feel sorry for myself. And one time I was going and my, my son, he was like, Oh, there goes emo Mario again. Oh yeah. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what? Is that really what you think of me? He's like, yeah, you're emo Mario. You always go in your car, you listen to country, you drink, and you cry. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? <laughs> so then that's, that's opened my eyes to what example I was giving my son to how to be a weak, sorry excuse for a man. Man. And so. That's something you hear in movies, too. So I've re re yeah. reintroduced alcohol into my life. But, you know, I've, I've always said that I'm never going to stop drinking whiskey. I'm never say never, but I love whiskey. Okay, one, right, right. One, I want to be a whiskey connoisseur. I want to. I really want to understand whiskey, how it's made. Okay, all, all the the beautiful aspects of whiskey. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. um, I want to understand it. I want to have a, a little bar at home. I want to have different bottles of whiskey there. Um, I I enjoy drinking, but now I do it in a healthy way. I'm no longer that fucking sorry ass drunk. I drink now. I enjoy it. I get a little buzz out of it. I don't do it all day. Um, at night, I'll have one glass, maybe two, if I'm really feeling myself. Yeah. And uh, call it a night. You know, uh, I'm no longer drinking throughout the whole day. It's not every day. You know, it's right. it's an, it's in a healthier way. I'm not drinking a Coke. I'm not drinking for any of that. I'm drinking because I enjoy whiskey. And, you know, it's, it's my thing. It's what I do. Right, right. But it doesn't get in the way of my life anymore. It doesn't affect my workouts. It doesn't affect anything. You know, I sit here. I relax. Put on a little fake fireplace on my TV. <laughs> turn on some candles. Drink some whiskey. And enjoy my evening. You know, it's a, it's yeah. a healthier approach to it. Exactly. Uh, I did, for those three months that I was sober to prove to myself that I didn't need it, which is very important, I did exactly that. I substituted. I, instead of drinking, I was hiking. Right. And I was hiking a lot. I bet. Yeah. Um, to get my mind off of it. And I was drinking a lot of diet, uh, no, a lot of Coke Zero. Right. I, so one thing is I always needed to have something in my hand to sip on. And I would substitute it with uh, uh, Liquid Death. I don't know if you've had that. Um, it's really good, by the way. Yeah, Coke Zero, coffee, I, I, tea. I had to have a drink on me, something to sip on the entire day to mimic that that uh, mu- that muscle memory exactly. of constantly drinking. So, I mean, it's a struggle. One thing I could tell you guys, never – if you're trying to help somebody who has a, a, who's fighting an addiction, don't shame them. And don't uh, don't try to uh, give them a sermon about anything because all they all you're gonna do is push them deeper exactly. into it. Uh, you can show your support. Doesn't mean that you have to constantly. Um, uh, what what word am I looking for here? Um, encourage it. You don't have to encourage their addiction, but you can show support by saying, "Hey, dude." You know, I'm here for you. If you need someone to talk to, I'll talk to you. But, you know, you're engaging in this behavior. It's not healthy. I can't be around it. But I love you, and I'll be here if you need to talk. You know, if you feel like you're deep in depression or whatever, come talk to me. I got you. And, and, and that's very that's very true because um, one of the conversations that really started my journey to invite God into I mean, I don't know what everyone out here is, uh, believes in, but I believe that we were here for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the person who, de- who created us, who designed us, who who I believe is what I call God, right? I believe that he provides us with strength when we need it. Mm-hmm. And when we're sincere of why, and we have a strong reason to why we need it. So he's the one that kind of invited that into my life. And I remember the conversation I had with him was him asking me, why? Why are you smoking? Mm -hmm. And like you said, it was to run away. It was to feel nothing. Mm -hmm. Because when you smoke so much, when you smoke to a certain point, you will start being numb. You will literally just, you'll be high and 
before you know it, bang, oh shoot, I'm at fucking Carter Jr. already. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, holy shit, nice, nice, right? Mm-hmm. Or you put on your phone and you'll be watching a movie and you're like, oh shit, I'm an hour in, what the fuck did I just watch? Right, right. Um, it's like you, you're missing out on your whole life. Exactly. You know? It's like, and that's kind of how I feel um, that first, so after, you know, that hospital I told you tried to fucking take me out. Mm-hmm. Um, Which was a whole nother episode. A whole nother fucking episode because it's a long story. But the point is that um, I felt sorry for myself to in a way where I couldn't do what I used to love, which was talk to people and mm-hmm. and promote and and be at shows and be at concerts and, and going for free because I was such a good promoter. And I couldn't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do it because of my voice. Yeah. So... I remember that not only was couldn't I do it, but if I spoke for too long, mm-hmm. my throat would get sore. Mm-hmm. I would start feeling pain. And I remember I went to the doctor a few times, mm-hmm. and they would prescribe me things like Vicodin. Jeez. Things like one time they gave me morphine. Get, get you deeper into drugs. Get deeper into drugs. And, <laughs> and then because of the injury I had, yeah. they said, okay, because of the severity of your injury, you qualify for this and when they gave me morphine i mm. knew like wow like it, it kind of validated my reason to smoke even more and i'm like wow so i'm choosing the healthy alternative right yeah but at the same time it's just as bad because i was doing it to a degree where it just took over my life mm-hmm. so aren't there i'm just sorry to interrupt aren't, aren't there like healthier uh properties of marijuana they are there are so um so one of the healthy uh the healthier ways to consume marijuana is to use it in an oil to use it in an oil where you put it on your body Mm -hmm. so if you have pain on your arm your shoulder your chest your um even your neck Mm -hmm. you can rub an oil that has a little bit of alcohol right it has uh, certain things like citrus oregano so it could penetrate your skin it could be absorbed by your skin, mm-hmm. and it will relieve pain. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that, that, you know that's not the way people are consuming it nowadays. No, no, no. It's, no, very, it's smoked, um, and you know, uh, people are saying that it's a healthy alternative to cigarettes, but if you're smoking a blunt, like, well, what's the difference? Yeah. What's the difference? So another thing is I used to smoke it in the cleanest way, which was a bong. Mm-hmm. But if you have ever smoked out of a bong, you know that if you smoke out of that bong long enough, let's say a day or two, that bong is going to get dirty. It's going to get full of the natural oils that that weed has all around the bong. So just imagine your lungs like that. Mm. So as much as I want to... I wanna s- yeah, like, yeah. have you ever seen a bong? Yeah. Have you ever seen it used for two days without... Yeah, yeah. It is not pretty. Yeah. Damn, I never thought about that. Yeah, and, and, the, and, and this is the cleanest way. Yeah. Because I had a really big bong. Anyone that has, any, everybody that has, anybody that has ever smoked with me knows I used to smoke some really high quality weed. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. Every, every, anybody that said, oh, I smoked two, three blunts, yeah. four blunts in one day, I'd be like, come smoke with me. <laughs> and they would pass out in my car. So, <laughs> that's how strong my my wee was and how big my bong is. My bong is, I used to have a two foot or a three foot bong. Yeah. So it was def- it definitely did the job. 
Um, so the point is that there's really no better way to deal with problems with yourself than to be sober. Let me say something about that real quick. Go ahead. Go ahead. I had a conversation with somebody about this and a uh, very big point to make for all my addicts out there. <laughs> right, right, right. Every, anyone who uses any substance to deal with uh, heartache or sorrow or depression or whatever, any, any hardship in your life. I know that consuming your substance of choice numbs you and I know that it makes you feel good in the moment. Right. Trust me, I know that. But you're not healing. And it's hard. But if you confront your problems head on while you're sober, if you allow yourself to feel every bit of that emotion. To cry. To, to cry. To go mad. through the go through the process. Let me tell you, it'll heal you. It'll heal your soul to feel that. To feel like a human being. Like a, you know, like you're experiencing the moment. You're experiencing every aspect of that pain. And, and you're confronting it head on. You're not exactly using a crutch. You're not numbing the pain. You're just you're saying, you know what? Fuck this. Let's go. I'm gonna I'm gonna face you, and we're gonna fight this. You know, it it, it heals. It, it it sucks in the moment because you really want to reach for that bottle. <laughs> right. You really want to reach for that blunt, for whatever the case may be. You want to. You're like, oh, no, fuck this. You know, but. After you get through that, after you cry, after you're done with your hike, your workout, whatever it is that you might substitute it with, or just listening to music, whatever, just sitting in a car praying, whatever, after you get that uh, over that little uh, experience of, uh, of confronting your pain head on, you're going to have a sense of peace right. in that moment. And right. it, it, it's like a high in itself. And uh, it's beautiful. Like for me, when I would hike, okay, we're about to reach the end of this one. Is that? Yeah, damn, man. Are you okay? Yeah, it actually wakes me up. No, it feels feels good. And it wakes me up. Um, Yeah, anyways, like I was saying, um, confront it head on, and uh, it'll it'll heal your soul. It'll heal your heart. It'll help you move on. It'll help you build better relationships and um, create better, stronger bonds. You just got to feel the moment. You got to feel the pain. You can't keep running away from the pain. You just got to fucking do it. It's hard. Trust me, I know. But no, you're right because, look, even legal drugs that um, a lot of these psychologists and these psychiatrists are prescribing like mm-hmm. is their fucking candies, right? Mm-hmm. Um I had a really, I had a really personal experience when I was in high school. I dated this girl, super smart girl, uh, very sweet, but on some days she would just be a completely different person. Mm. She would just wouldn't want to talk. Um, she was um, sometimes uh, just really aggressive towards people, mm-hmm. very confrontational, um, and I remember that. Uh, I never got to see that side of her until I started dating her, right? Yeah. And um, it got to the point where one time we were working out, and um, she thought I got mad at her. I did not get mad at her. I just thought, oh, no, no, uh, don't, don't do it like that. Do it like this, because or else you're, you're oh. going to get, get a, we were doing push-ups, right? And I right. told her, 
Well, make sure you keep your elbows in, closed, this and that, right? <laughs> Women hate that. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> they hate it. They hate it. But uh, <laughs> I told her that. And he's like, oh, you make sure you keep your elbows closed. And then she did it again, like, you know, like this, like this. Like right, right, right. And she's like, I thought you were just trying to help me. Yeah, yeah, right. And she, she told me to do this for her. She yeah. told me to check her form and stuff, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. So then I walked away. And then um, I was helping another person that was working out with me. Um, and so I told him, oh, yeah, good job, you know, just keep your body straight, you're doing good, this and that. I turn around, she's gone, bro. I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, she just did. So I'm like, wait, where did she go? He's like, I think she went over there towards the bathroom. So I'm like, oh, okay, she's going to come back. <laughs> so I thought, oh, she's going to come back right now, right? Yeah. So 30 minutes passed by, she's not back. I'm like, wait, where did you say she went? It's like, she went to the bathroom over there. Like, Well, she was walking towards the bathroom. Right. I'm like, uh, okay, let me go check. So I go knock on the bathroom. There's no one in there. I'm like, wait, what the heck? So, and then I, I tried calling her. It sent me straight to voicemail. But it did that thing where, like, the first time it sent me, uh, it took, like, maybe two or three rings, and then it sent me a voicemail. Mm -hmm. Second time I called, it sent me straight to voicemail. Like, oh, so she is getting my calls, mm -hmm. but she's rejecting them. Right. So I'm like, is she okay? And then I told the guy that was with me. I'm like, dude, like, does she seem upset? You're just a poor, confused man. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what the fuck? So, you know, fast forward, uh, make a long story short, I ended up going to her house. Um, and I go to her house, and um, her mom, as soon as she answers, she's like, Daniel, is everything okay? I'm like, well, what happened? <laughs> exactly. I'm like, wait, 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 why? Why do you ask that? And she's all like, well, it's because, um, should I say her name? No. Yeah. No, no, You're like, oh, yeah, well, she just walked in, and she's very upset. Like, she just walked in her room. I tried asking her if she's okay. She just locked her door. I think she's crying, but I don't know. I'm like, whoa, like, what the? What did I do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, I knock on the door. She's like, what is it? And I'm like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, can you open the door, please? Like, no, why not? She didn't answer. Like, just open the door, please. Mm -hmm. She opened the door. He's like, but come in, like, and close the door again. I'm like, okay. So I open the door. I come in, and I'm like, What's, what happened? And she's like, why were you mad at me? I'm like, well, I wasn't mad at you. Like, why would I get mad at you? And I'm, and I, 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 I struggle to stay serious. Like, and it's not even that I'm trying to smile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In situations like this, <laughs> no, it's just I that you, when I get nervous, I smile. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I just started smiling, like, like, what do you mean? And she's like, why is it funny to you? I'm like, what? Nothing is funny. I'm just confused. Like, well, what's going on? And she's like, nothing. It's just you were mad at me. I'm like, like, why would I be mad at you? She's like, you weren't mad. I'm like, about what? <laughs> when? When did you think I was mad? And she right. said, oh, when you were telling me what to do. Um, you got mad because I didn't listen to you the first time, and I'm like, like, whoa, 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 like, no, like, there's no reason for me to get mad, like, that's, that's what I do, as, as if I'm training you, like, it's just, you, you asked me to do it too, right, she's like, and she's telling me, oh, you're not mad, like, I'm sorry, then, I'm like, no, like, don't say you're sorry, just, is everything okay, like, I've never seen you angry, like, are you, are you okay, is something going on here that, like, in your house that, I told her softly, like, there's something going on here that maybe I don't, I don't know about. She's like, yeah, I do want to tell you something. I'm like, what is it? I take antidepressants. I've been taking them for, mm -hmm. for the past year, and sometimes I have mood swings. I'm like, 
antidepressants, and I had already done my research on antidepressants because I've always been very anti-pharmaceutical, right? Mm -hmm. So I had already done my research on what they do, what kind of chemicals they have. Usually they're lithium-based, meaning they're heavy metals that basically don't allow your brain to... um, to fire the right amount of electrons, electricity, right? Jamie, pull that up real quick. No, <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, pull that up. Yeah, but basically lithium, um, you know, uh, stops certain parts of your brain from working yeah. to keep, make a long story short. Yeah. Um, and Redlin back then was a chemical that did the same thing. It stopped blood flow to a certain degree so that you wouldn't uh, use certain parts of your brain. But if you think about it, like, they're not... There's no computer in the fucking drugs that say, okay, shut down this part of the brain. Right. So they're not really designed to make you happy or make you sad or make you... They're just designed to stop certain synapses from happening within your brain. So the thing is that if, let's say, you tap into the angry part of the brain, the the part of the brain that deals with anger and uh, and, uh, self-defense, right? Would that be the amygdala? Yeah. Exactly. So, you are now stuck in that part of the brain because mm-hmm. it's not able to make other connections, uh, to connect to other emotions. Mm-hmm. And that's why people that take antidepressants, mm-hmm. some days they're level, mm-hmm. meaning they have no emotion. Yeah. Some days they're very angry, they're very sad, mm-hmm. and some days they're very happy and overly happy. Yeah. That is why, because it stops serotonin and synapses from occurring right. naturally right. in the brain. So there's really no no research done on to how to target this. They just prescribe them because it's beneficial for the psychologists and psychiatrists to get paid by these pharmaceutical companies. So I remember See, that the pharmaceuticals is the most immoral uh, exactly. market there is. Exactly. It's insane. And if you and if anyone is saying no, like they've saved a lot of lives, all I invite you to do is to research any company that you can think of. That makes pharmaceutical comp- that makes pharmaceutical drugs for more than five to ten years. You can even do five years, and you'll see how many payouts, how much money in payouts, because of lawsuits they've lost. And, and the same thing I said about sorry to interrupt. The mm-hmm. same thing I said about vaccines and why I didn't trust them. And as much as I um, may like or dislike Trump or any other politician, for that matter. I always look at shit like this. Exactly. Look at look at look at the vaccines, right? Um, they're open companies, open to the public, meaning, meaning people can invest in them. Right. And I I thought I found it weird that Trump started uh, promoting vaccines, right? I was like, why is he promoting these vaccines? Exactly. Look into why or who uh, invests in these uh, companies, right? The vaccine companies, who's investing in them? And Trump is one of those people. Exactly. A lot of these politicians are investing in these public companies. Exactly. And they're promoting them. They're exactly. pushing them forward. And so it all boils down to uh, corrupt money in politics. And it's, dude, it's so fucking easy to see. Like, you you don't even have to be, you don't have to have a, 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 a political science degree to exactly. see this happen before your eyes. It's right there. They're promoting the shit that there was barely any research on. And <clears throat> then you see that they're investing in these companies that they're promoting. There's a saying that if you follow the money, you find the master. Right. And then look at the, the, the news outlets. They're also promoting them. 
and then it, and then it says brought to you by Pfizer. You exactly, know? <laughs> exactly. So there's money involved. They're being bought out. They're they're in bet with each other financially. Right. And we're supposed to trust these motherfuckers, right? Right. We're supposed to trust them. And if you don't take it, you can't have certain jobs. They'll kick you out of certain jobs. Not only that, but because the same media is being sponsored by these drug companies, they are, you got to remember, what does the news sell? Because every single news station, every single program you watch on television, they are designed to make somebody money. They have a product that they want to push, whether it's physical, whether it's a service, whether it's emotion, Mm -hmm. which in their case, their their product was pushing a narrative, selling you a narrative, something that they want you to believe. So, yeah, so in in this case, this girl, um, she was taking two antidepressants, right? Mm -hmm. And remember, she's, I'm I'm 18 at the time, she's 17, so it's, it wasn't good for her at all. Especially for her brain development. It wasn't good at all. And I told her, look, I'm not mad at you. Um, I'm glad that I didn't do anything, um, that anything, any harm to you. I'm glad you didn't harm yourself. Um, If you want, like, we could work out alone. So that way you don't feel pressured or you don't feel like I'm trying to downplay you. That's kind of you too. Right, right, right. Uh, No, it's, it's not even... Well, thank you for saying that, but it was more like uh, I was—I felt like she was hyper focused on herself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I knew where she was coming from because of you know I knew her, her family life, right? Um, so, anyways, the point is that we start working out in, alone, and about two weeks into working out, cause I asked her how many times she takes these drugs, and she said every day, mm-hmm. every day she has to take one. Yeah, so you can imagine, so. I told her to research some videos um, where they have doctors basically breaking down how these things work. Mm-hmm. Um, so fast forward two weeks later, she's all like, oh, guess what, Danny? What, what, I'm on my third day without taking them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no way. She's like, yeah, like, how do you feel? She's like, I feel really good. Like, I feel, wow. she said, I feel, I feel a little weird. Sometimes I feel a little jittery. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes I just like have a headache, mm-hmm. but I feel really good. I'm like, I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah, and um, and I'll never forget it. I, I, um, for about another maybe like two weeks, mm-hmm. I she would have on and off mood swings, but they weren't as extreme as the first time we went through that situation. Mm-hmm. They were more like, like, um, like uh, I remember I would see her like she would give me short responses. I'm like, does your head hurt? And she's like, a little bit. I'm like, okay, then let's let's not talk. Like, you want? I would just tell you want to get some food. I'm like, yeah, let's go get some food. You want to choose or you want me to choose? Like, you choose. All right, let's go. <laughs> yeah, so, and then, um, and she liked the fact that I can't stay quiet, so I would just be, just. Be hyper engaged. Yeah, I would just start talking and yeah. and start, like, uh, acknowledge, like, oh, look at that guy. He's over there, like. Right. He's doing some yeah, hyper brain engaged. Yeah. So, um, you know, and after those two weeks, it was, it was beautiful to see that her mom told me. Oh, like, uh, thank you for working out with my daughter. Like, she's been really, mm-hmm. she's been she's been coming out of her room more. Um, mm-hmm. um, like, she's talking to her dad more because she had this anger towards her dad. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, like, she's talking to her dad more and this and that. Like, whatever you're doing, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And um, and even nowadays, even now, 
Um, I talked to her, what was it, about a year and a half ago, almost two years. Um, she reached out to me. She asked me if I was okay. She asked me why I wasn't making videos anymore um, and why my voice was different. And I uh, kind of <laughs> kind of explained to her what happened. And she's like, oh, wow, like, I hope you get better. Um, uh, she said, I hope you get better. And I'm going to tell my mom she likes to pray. So you know, I, I know she'll pray for you. She actually brought you up the other time, the other day. And, you know, she said that, you know, uh, that she, you changed me. And so I hope you get better because you're a good person. And, mm -hmm. and in my head, I'm like, oh, that's really good to hear. And she said, oh, by the way, like, I don't take antidepressants anymore. And I was like, whoa. That's a great update. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And right now she's very artistic. Mm -hmm. She's into like cosplaying. Mm -hmm. And she's going to start doing it professionally. And something I didn't realize was that if you cosplay professionally, you make a lot of money. That's Damn. really crazy. But uh, you really got. There's something good about being a nerd then. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So you guys should listen to my son more often. You do. <laughs> You're missing out, Mario. You got the big ass TV. You guys. <laughs> But no, yeah, like it was a really good update, and it was to the point where I, she told me, just her telling me, I'm going to tell my mom and this and that, it made me realize, like, wow, like her not being on antidepressants mm -hmm. allowed her to open up and develop a strong and genuine relationship with her mom now. Because yeah. when I was with her in the past, mm -hmm. it wasn't that strong. It was like, it was one of those relationships where they get home. Hi mom. Oh hi. Do you want to eat? No, I'm okay. I'm well, going to my room. Well, the way their personality doesn't. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, kind of shuts down their what makes them them. Yeah, it was. They were awkward conversations too with her mom. Like she'd be like, "What'd you do today, mom?" Oh, nothing. Else. Yeah, because in order in order to have a personality, you, you have to experience you know those emotions, whether negative or positive or whatever. Exactly. You have to be able to experience that, be in the moment. Right. Right. But, right. Um, um, shit. So where are we at, bro? We're already at crazy. like 30, whatever. We're going on two hours. Holy shit. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I want to, I want to kind of start wrapping it up. Right, right. Let's but do I want to do like final thoughts. So wrap up everything we talked about and how you put it into, okay. how you summarize it, right? So, um, I'll start. Go for it, go for it. Um. Let's go back to topic number one, talking mm -hmm. about the manosphere, talking about the, uh, being, you know, the role of being masculine and whatnot. Uh, fellas, um, I'm not telling you that my way is the way. All I'm telling you is date with a purpose. Don't devalue yourself and vet the people that you date. Um, don't think that you're above anybody. That's not what this is about. Um, just look for people that are compatible with you because someone might find interest in those young ladies that, you know, live their life and try to find themselves, find someone who's already found themselves or is in a, a healthy journey of finding themselves. If that makes sense, make your end goal to have a healthy relationship not a relationship based on anxiety and based on on trauma you know heal heal don't get into relationships if you're fighting an addiction or finding something because you're gonna bring that baggage onto it and you're not gonna have a successful healthy relationship right. 
heal yourself. Stay single until you fully healed yourself. Don't depend on someone to change you or don't say, you know, uh, you have to be with me at my worst. No, 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 none of that shit. Fix yourself. It's not fair for anybody else to have to deal with your bullshit. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not being. I'm not being a dick here. I'm being honest. Nobody, nobody has to deal with your bullshit. You deal with your own bullshit. Get over it. Deal with it. And I don't mean get over it like being a dick about it either. I mean get over it, like fix it. You know, find a way. Succeed. Then go and find relationships. Form a healthy one. Don't go find. Don't go trying to find people that are also in that struggle. Find someone who's already been through that journey or is going through that journey to find, you know, uh, a healthy balance in their life. Okay, that's that's my final word on that. As far as Andrew Tate goes, I like what he says. He says a lot of good things. There's a lot of things I disagree with. His approach to things, I don't agree with. I think uh, I always believe in, in being mature about your interactions with people. You don't have to poke at their at their emotions. I don't believe in that. I don't. I don't necessarily agree with his approach. Um, I, you know, I think it's it's kind of immature to exactly. be honest with you. But I do agree with his uh, end goal or his philosophy on masculinity. I do agree with that. I do agree that men should value themselves more and should be vetting these women. Don't 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 sleep around. Don't go for the first girl that you see. Uh, really, really value yourself and. Find the worth in someone that you're dating. Okay, enough on that. Addiction. Uh, be real with yourself. 100%. Don't sugarcoat shit. You're fucking drunk. It is what it is. Deal with it. Face it. You're not You're not a setting a good example for anybody in your life. All right? Your kids don't look up to you. You're setting a, an example of a weak man, a weak woman. You're setting an example of someone who doesn't have control of their life. You're chaotic. And you're destroying their future. It's not just your future. One. Two, you're never going to heal if you don't allow yourself to go through these emotions. Even if you're not thinking, don't say, I'm going to quit drinking. Don't do that. That's not going to work. Say, I'm going to stop drinking tonight. Tonight, I'm not going to touch alcohol. Tonight, I'm going to try to experience what this fucking guy Mario said. To sit, sit here and try to face my, my emotions head on. Do it like that. One day at a time. If you say you're going to quit drinking, you're not point blank mm -hmm. all right take it one minute at a time one day at a time okay this afternoon this morning i don't have, i'm not gonna drink my shot of whiskey this morning i'm gonna skip it this morning you made it through the fucking morning this evening when i get home you know what i'm not gonna do it i'm gonna take some tea drink some tea relax a little bit you made it through the whole fucking day look at that okay don't don't try to go cold turkey none of that shit <clears> all right um and then one last thing I wanted to say before I before I wrapped it up on my end. Uh, what were we talking about? It was uh, uh, there was one more thing I had. Based on emotions, addiction, habits. Um. <coughs> when it when it comes, sorry, real quick. When it comes to um, there's there's two things that I always say. Um, there's a difference in between being needy as a man and and demanding respect right. that you've earned because of your worth. So 
being needy and being toxic means you're going through your partner's phone all the time. You're trying to see where they are. Hey, where are you? How come you haven't answered? That's being needy and that's being toxic and nobody deserves that because a lot of what red pill men or a lot of these manosphere men fail to do is be self-accountable. All right. Be self-accountable. You're not attractive if you're if you're an insecure little bitch. You're not. You're not going to attract it. That's the fastest way to dry up some pussy. If you're, if you're an insecure little bitch, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not attracting nobody. Be secure in yourself, but be demanding of your respect that you've earned and you've worked hard for. Don't take no shit. If someone's not respecting you, someone's putting their hands on you, calling you out of your name, lying to you, any of that shit, you put your foot down. You say, I don't accept that. I'm going to move on if you don't fix that shit. Okay? Have respect for yourself. Ladies, you too. Don't allow this shit from no fucking dude. He's not worth it. That's all I gotta say. Man, that was that was very well said. Um, <clears throat> let's start from the top. <clears throat> Manosphere. Yeah, so take what's good, leave what's bad, and um, acknowledge the fact that <clears throat> at the end of the day, self-accountability is the basis for being a man, for being masculine, for being someone that can be can defend but can also be compassionate because just as you understand that you as a man you have to be a man and be brave and be courageous and have a goal you have to also acknowledge the fact that women are more feminine than you so you shouldn't speak to a woman like how you would speak to a man um, anyone that was raised by a single mother or has women in their in their in their life understand that women uh, they need to be addressed and spoken to in certain in a certain manner um and just like mario said vet who you have around you uh, vet your partners your potential partners and more importantly um acknowledge what it is and for how it is don't don't try to sugarcoat anything um especially if this person doesn't have, have the same values as you um, whether it's having kids whether it's what do they want for their future, whether it's uh, what, are the, what kind of relationships do they have with their parents, with their siblings, with their family. If these things don't, don't coincide with what you believe and how you treat people, then don't try to force anything. You can't change anyone. There's a saying that you can change a man when he's a baby. When You, you can change a man's diapers, but you can't change a man as a man. Mm. Um, but yeah, so you know, be honest with yourself. If you're in a relationship or if you're talking to someone that one of their core values goes against yours and like I said, whether it's having kids, what they want out of life, um, what they value, don't be afraid to walk away. There's many people out there that will have the same values as you. Mm -hmm. So be patient. Don't give in to those urges. And in my, in my, one of the main things that I got out of this conversation because I'm learning with you is that you know it will you have to go through a process to not give in to your urges it's very tough mm -hmm. especially with the amount of uh how easy it is to get sex nowadays with mm -hmm. all these uh, dating apps with um a lot of these women that are very postmodern. but don't do it don't do it because you'll realize that it's empty mm -hmm. it's empty and when you don't take the time to get to know the person it's easy for you to walk away from that person and do the same thing in the next relationship, the next person you talk to. So take the time to value yourself, to respect yourself, 
to acknowledge what you want and to look for that and to take the time to find that. So, you know, that's uh, definitely what I believe with vetting. Um, in terms of addiction, it's not good, it's not bad. It's just something that you have to acknowledge that human beings are capable of, whether it's good habits or bad habits. Whether it's a good habit to go to the gym every single day, even if it's if you have a family event later on that night, even if you have uh, a wedding to attend, if you have a good habit of working out or doing something in that, in that sense, it's not a bad addiction. But if you have something that you beat yourself up of, you have something you beat yourself up over, such as smoking, drinking, something you know is destroying your life, acknowledge it like Mario said, and that is a perfect exercise. Go to the mirror, look at yourself in the eyes, and say what you need to say. Say what you say in your head when you're about to drink that beer and go overboard because you know you're about to black out. Or if you're about to go to the go out after having a long shift, after having little money in your bank account, you're still going to go out with your friends and smoke and spend another $100 because you're going to smoke, drop on the weed, pick up some food. Or maybe a lot of these guys don't have money, so you know they're just a ride and they want you to smoke them out. Like, don't, don't do it. Go to the mirror, tell yourself that. What are you? Are you somebody's, some, are you taking care of somebody's habit? Are you that addicted? Are you, so talk to yourself like how you would when, if nobody was there. Because at the end of the day, if you have, if when you face that addiction, that's who's going to be in your corner. You, yourself, and in my, in my case, God. That's the only people that are going to be in your corner. So, fess up to what you are, who you are, and where you are. Understand, and also be grateful. Um, be grateful for the fact that if you make a decision, a change, that's going to benefit your life, be grateful that it's going to affect so many people. If you say you're alone, and that's why you've given in to these addictions, acknowledge the fact that you are not alone. That you have a mother, you have a brother, you have a sibling, you have a partner, you have... Somebody in your life that will benefit greatly if you make the change. And as far as, um, you know, being somebody that is accountable, um, acknowledge that you are somebody that if tomorrow you decide to do something, you can start it today. Just like Mario said, if you're not going to smoke anymore, if you're not going to drink anymore, don't say I'm going to do it tomorrow. Yeah. Say yeah. from this moment right here, not one sip of alcohol, not one puff of tobacco, weed, not one pill is going to go into my body. Because why? Because you got to have a greater purpose. Because I'm going to heal from this. In my case, it was healing from my own pain, not feeling sorry for myself. And acknowledging the fact that I was, that I was angry at the world. And that I had a lot of energy that I wanted to numb. So find something that goes beyond, oh, I want to be healthy. Oh, because I want to um, get this job. Because what after you get that job, you're going to want to do it again because that goal is accomplished. Get a goal that's going to go two years from now. Mm -hmm. It's going to take you at least two years to get to this goal mm -hmm. or a year to get to this goal. So that way when you get that goal, you'll have another goal ready. So yeah, so as far as that, and um, what was the last thing that he said about? Um, what was the last thing? Coming to an end. Well, 
let's wrap it up. That's pretty much all I can think of. Thank you once again, Mario. Blessings to anybody that hears this. Hopefully you get something out of this amazing conversation with Mario. Have a great night. Love you guys. Thank you for listening. Yeah, yeah. And this was another episode of Whiskey Talk with Mario. <laughs>